0: So this morning, the topic was revival. For this evening, I want to, God willing, to explore the precursor. What kind of environment, what kind of activity must the church participate in preparation for God to rend the heavens, come down, and pour out His Holy Spirit? If you have your Bibles... Turn to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to look at verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make stress in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And when God says something, mark it down, it's going to happen. In his time, in his way, it is going to happen. Amen? Amen. So this voice crying in the wilderness, it has a purpose. It has a plan. And a part of that purpose literally is to create a highway for God to visit his people and to visit the land. And notice what happens when this highway is actually established. A lot of goofy things that are going on they're removed. Amen. If people are proud, they're brought low. Amen. If there's some kind of crookedness going on in life, you know, he makes it straight again. And on and on it goes. So, brothers and sisters, when we're talking about interceding for a heaven sent revival, we're talking about preparing a highway. For our God. Because if we do that, all the things that we're struggling with, that we're we're going through, the, the things that are threatening us here over in Ireland, listen, when God shows up, believe me, those things are set in order. Amen? We need him. And so we're talking about an intercession that prepares The way of the Lord. And this this goes with even how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, What? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now understand this, brothers and sisters. There's no child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood going on in heaven. Do you know that? Do you know that babies are safe in heaven? Do you know that? There will be, there's no one parading their sin like Sodom. There's not 56 genders in heaven. There's two. He made them male and female. That's it. They're not doing that insanity in heaven. There's no tyranny in heaven. There's no oppression in heaven. There's no corrupt culture in heaven. And you know what God wants? He wants what's happening in heaven to come to this earth. Do you know the church has been praying that prayer for 2,000 years? And he doesn't want us to stop praying that. Amen? So how do we know this is what the Lord wants? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. This passage of Scripture is known... As the great commission, and sweetheart, could you give me that water over there, please? And may you receive a prophet's reward. (laughs) Misunderstandings, beatings, jails, all kinds of crazy stuff. (laughs) Listen very carefully to these words, brothers and sisters, because you are standing on solid ground here. And Jesus came and spoke to them. Obviously, this is after he has been raised from the dead, saying, all authority. Everybody say, all authority. authority. Has been given to me in heaven and just a little bitty, bitty, bitty bit on the earth. Is that how your Bible reads? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All authority in heaven, everybody say has been his has been past, present, or future. Past in America, we love to sing about our soon coming king. Maybe you sing that song here. I got, I don't want to burst your bubble. He is not. Are soon-coming king. He has already been coronated king. He's king now. Abraham Kuyper, he was the prime minister of the Netherlands, I believe, he said there's not one iota of this universe where Jesus Christ doesn't say, mine. It's his. He bought it with his blood. It belongs to him. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, based on that truth, that biblical truth, what is the divine task of the church of the living God? You ready? Go, therefore, and make disciples of some citizens in their lands and stack them up at a spiritual bus stop. And wait for my return. Is that what your Bible reads? But how many know that's how the church operates? What does it say? Make disciples of what? Some nations? All nations. This is quite a task, by the way. Amen? He says, baptize whom? Individuals? Or nations. He's talking about nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then, what's the last part of that? What does he say? Teaching them to observe what? All things that I have commanded you. And lo, praise be to God, I am with you. Always. I am with you always, through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So, so understand this, brothers and sisters. Our divine task is to make sure the nations obey their king. Because he has all the authority. So, see, Jesus is not just Lord of the church. He is king of the universe. Amen? So critically important. So when we're dealing with this, this, this great commission, this is exhaustive, brothers and sisters. This is comprehensive. Like, Jesus has this notion... That he's actually God. (laughs) What a notion, right? Occasionally you and I get the same notion and he's got a... I tell people I was seven foot two when I met the Lord. (laughs) The incredible shrinking man. So brothers and sisters, I want you to think with me. If this is our divine task is if this is what we're supposed to be about, when you look at the condition of the families in Ireland, when you look at the condition of the church, when you look at the condition of your government, your laws, when you look at your culture, can you honestly say, this has all been discipled? By the church of the living God? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Any nation that commits child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood, any nation that parades their sin like Sodom, that is not a nation that has been discipled by the church of the living God. And understand this for a surety, brothers and sisters. Please mark this down. The condition of the family, the condition of the church, the condition of your culture, the condition of your government, the condition of your law. This is God's report card on the effectiveness of his church. Now listen, I don't know what grade you get in Ireland, but we have, in America, we got F, 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 F. If there was a lower grade, we would get it. And we're a very religious people but we've had no impact on the evil that is savaging us to God. So brothers and sisters, we we sort of got to get back to God's program here. Amen? And how many know we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to do this? See, one of the reasons why we don't experience miracles today, one of the reasons why we're so dry and we, we we want those living waters to, to burst forth is because we never cross the line of obedience, we never put ourselves at risk to advance the kingdom of God. We like in America, we have a very comfortable Christianity, and the problem with that type of, and by the way, God is judging that Christianity. He is. He's judging that form of Christianity in America. And praise be to God through that, he is bringing forth biblical Christianity in America. And I don't know if you have to go through that process, but I know one thing for sure, that we got to move from the playground of that kind of form of Christianity and get back to the battleground. Of biblical Christianity. Amen. So critically important. So. Here's the good news. The church. And every individual Christian. That is born of God's spirit. You have two. Everybody say two. Two powerful intercessors. You have one. In heaven, and you have one upon the earth. Let's look at the one in heaven. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to look at... Verse 25, God's word says, therefore he, capital H, meaning the Lord, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You have a mighty, intercessor in heaven. And what is what is he interceding about? That once the spirit of the living God, daughter inside of you and you're washed in the blood and you become a son and daughter, his commitment is to save you to the uttermost. That's why you can run, but you cannot hide. Believe me, I tried it. He hunted me down like the bounty hunter. Thank the Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Now, sometimes, brothers and sisters, when we see that word intercession, we sort of just think of prayer. Now, I got to tell you, I have a hard time relating to that in this instance. Because like, I don't see Jesus like on his knees At the throne room, praying right next to the Father. In fact, he could just lean over and said, "Hey, Father, let's talk about it." See, there is an aspect of intercession, brothers and sisters. That means intervention, interposition. In other words, when we're on this earth, struggling through this crazy thing called life, struggling. Amen. There are those times we cry out to God. Amen. And the Bible says he hears us. And so when he's ever living to make intercession for us, that means when we cry out to him, he answers our prayers. He intervenes. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Why? Because he ever liveth to make intercession for you and for I. Amen. You have that advocate in heaven. And let me remind you, he will never, ever lose a case. Ever. Amen. Well, let's look at the intercessor with us. What did I do it that order, okay? Well, before we do that, I want to continue more with the Lord as our intercessor. How many know the Lord took our place? Okay, so there's an aspect of intercession that means to take the place of. And that's exact, again, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He took our place. He bore our guilt, our sin, God's wrath, our punishment, amen? He interceded on our behalf. And so there is this aspect of taking the place of, when we talk about, interceding for Ireland specifically as it relates to abortion and child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. Let me ask you something. Does that little baby in the womb know what's going to happen to them? Is that little baby aware the plots and the schemes of the evil one to destroy their life? They're not. Who knows that? We do. So, brothers and sisters, if you're that baby in the womb and you actually know what's awaiting you, how would you pray? How would you pray? That's intercession. Some of you have prodigal children. Some of you have lost loved ones. They've been captured by the evil one. They're blind. And this world is tearing them apart. And you love them. And you don't want to see them continue to, to suffer. But how many know? They don't see that. All they're seeing is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's all they know, that's all their experience. So, brothers and sisters, if you were that blinded sinner captured by the devil to do his will and you were aware of it, how would you pray? That's intercession. That's intercession. Which brings us to our next intercessor Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. How many thank God that in our weakness, God shows himself strong. And believe me, I'm experiencing this right now because I am flat out wiped out. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Listen, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I've had a few experiences of this in my life. Most of you don't know my Columbia picture. I was pursuing an acting career in Hollywood. I had a manager with Columbia Pictures. I was making it. And God had a little contention with me. I didn't know what he was doing. But this was the season in my life, brothers and sisters, where he just poured out a spirit of grace and supplication and intercession into my life This is no exaggeration. I was praying literally like a full-time job. I was, for like five days, 40 hours a week, six, seven hours at a time. When I got done, you could wring out my clothes. My pants were soaked. And here's the thing. I never got tired. I never got exhausted. I never stopped thinking about what I should pray. It was just this, this season of incredible intercession and praying. I didn't know what God was doing, but what he was doing, he was birthing me into the ministry. I didn't know that. I just know I had to pray. He he was drawing me. He was pouring this into me. The power of God, listen, the power of God was so strong in that house, literally gospel truth. People would knock at the door, they'd knock at the door, ring the doorbell, and I would hear, thud. Literally. Someone would, I'd open it, I'd come to the door and there were people laying on my lawn. Seriously, they opened the door and the power of God, boom, down they went. Or if they made it in, thud, on the floor. And I had to, you know, come to, come to. Seriously, the power and the presence of God was so miraculous, so incredible. I didn't know about it. There was the spirit of intercession, Amen. And it lasted actually for a few months. And then there were times, brothers and sisters. Now listen i 'm a guy, and I 'm a guy guy. okay? Women, you know something about travail. it 's called having babies. I remember when my first wife, we had our first birth. It was home birth. You don't normally do it on the first one. And I can remember like she was hitting some octaves I didn't even know existed, right? And I'm thinking, man, they're probably thinking I'm beating her up. They're gonna call the police, you know? Because I was like, because first she was trying to hold it. I said, no, 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 honey, let it go. Just let it go. Go ahead. Scream if you need to scream. Punch me if you need to punch me. Grab my hand. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good, that's good, right? But then she screamed so loud. I was like, honey, keep it down. They're going to come and arrest me. You know, but I seen it. I seen a woman in travail bringing forth a new life, birthing someone into the earth. And you got to understand, brothers and sisters, travail is the deepest part Of intercession. That's the deepest you can go as an intercessor. And that kind of travail births things from heaven on earth. When Zion travails, she brings forth her children. Now, there's been a couple of times, brothers and sisters, where, again, this was God preparing me to leave the acting career, my idol behind, and serve him. Anybody here of uh, Debbie Reynolds, the actress Debbie Reynolds? She let us use her studio for church. Her son, Todd, was one of the elders of the church that I went to. She was very gracious to us. So imagine my shock, my surprise. We're at a Wednesday night service. I'm sitting in there minding my own business. We're worshiping the Lord like we just did. I'm sitting in there, and all of a sudden, my belly starts getting really warm. And it went from warm to, like, hot. And I'm like, okay, this is a new sensation. <laughs> what in the world is going on? Right? So I'm, I'm, and I'm sweating. You know, everybody's all cool, you know. Hey, praise the Lord, man. Right? And I'm like sweating. Something's happening. Something's like bubbling up on the inside, and it's like a volcano. Right? So it gets so bad, I got to dismiss myself because I'm going to make a fool of myself really quick here. So, you know, I go to, uh, like, I find a room somewhere to get alone. And brothers and sisters, again, there was like sounds coming out of me like a wounded animal. See, I didn't know what was happening, but the Holy Spirit, he was interceding in me. It was with groanings that could not be uttered. I, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. But I'm, I'm experiencing it. It, it. It's on, right? And again, what is he doing? He's bursting me into the ministry, and I don't even know it. I just think I'm having all these strange weird stuff happening to me, right? So I remember one guy, I guess, walked by and heard me. He opened the door, Rusty, you okay? Should I call the ambulance? You know, I'm like, no, no, dude, no, dude. No, just, just please leave me alone. I know something weird's going on. So anyway, I got done, and we're dismissing the service. I walk outdoors and the Jewish guy that was a believer, his name was Mark, and he comes by me and he puts his hand on my stomach and he literally did this. He goes, Whoo, dude, man, your stomach's on fire. I go, Tell me about it. And so he, he put his arm around me and he started walking me towards the car. He said, Rusty, what's going on? I go, Mark. I don't know what's going on. It feels like like God's possessing me. It's like he's moving in. He's invading me. He's taking me over. And when I said that, I fell on my face in the parking lot, and I'm just like snorting in dust and gravel and stuff like that, and I'm just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. It was a travail. It happened again. When I went to this death camp in Dayton, Ohio, this abortionist, Martin Haskell, he's the one that invented the partial birth abortion. And I remember pulling up at his death camp. We were in a bus. The moment, I'm talking the second my foot hit the ground, travail. I I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't planning on it. I just put my foot on the ground and the evil of that place just, it was like a punch in the gut. I couldn't stay there. And we were gonna minister to the God. I couldn't stay there. So I went around the corner and I just got on my face. And again, these groanings, this travail came upon me. And brothers and sisters just kept coming and coming and coming, right? And I'm like, So it finally lifts, and I walk back towards the death camp, and there's a security guard. He has his gun, and he got his badge, and he's macho man. He saw what happened. He heard what happened, and it made him very uneasy. And so he wants to kind of go man-to-man with me, and he looked at me, and he said, you wouldn't last two weeks in my neighborhood. And I said, buddy, you are on the wrong battlefield. You sit there with your gun and your badge and you protect a place that exploits women and murders their children and you think you're a man? You're a coward! And you know the first people that are going to be cast into hell they're called cowards, sir. And if you don't repent, that's exactly where you're going. I guess that intercession kind of worked for me. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, grown man. Do you know he re- travailed, gentlemen? And he said he travailed twice. He travailed so people would be born into the kingdom of God and added to his church. He also travailed till Christ be formed in them. Amen. This is the intercession, brothers and sisters. This is the travail. And so understand this, like we talked about intercession taking the place of. When we're talking about the intercession to produce a revival, you gotta have a a tenacity. Everybody say tenacity. Amen? So, when we talk about intercession as having this tenacity element, that means you ain't gonna stop until something happens. You're not going to stop until something happens. Amen? So this is not like, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, and I go to church, and, like, I'm supposed to pray, and so you know what? You know, God bless this meal. Amen? Check, I'm a Christian, and I met my prayer obligation. That kind of prayer may bless your meal, but it ain't going to conquer evil, and it's not going to set the captive free. There has to be this tenacious element where you're going to grab a hold of God and you're not going to let go until we get the breakthrough, until something moves, until something happens. you got to dig in, brothers and sisters. How many know about the, uh, the prayer of importunity? How many ever heard of the prayer of importunity? If you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 18. You're probably all familiar with this. Interesting, the parable, listen, of the persistent widow. Everybody say persistent. When I'm Talking about intercession to this magnitude, I'm talking about pit bull prayer. When you know something about a pit bull, once they not just bite you, when they bite you, their jaws lock. <laughs> You're gonna have to shoot that dog in the head to get released from it. And I do have that personality, by the way. That's why God had to bust me up really good. Because once I set my sights on it, you you will have to kill me to stop me. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. This kind of intercession is is not a polite prayer. This is pit bull prayer that you're going to chop down on this thing, and nothing is going to release you until the Lord answers those prayers, okay? Critically important, brothers and sisters. So here's the parable. He says, then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Why, why would the Lord say that? See, a lot of times we're, we're like the microwave Christians, like we have gotten so impatient we're tapping our toe at the microwave waiting the kind of prayer we're talking about here it's a labor and it's a labor of love amen it's a tenacious fervency see christians of old when they see the stuff that's happening like what's happening in your nation th- they got to their knees. They, 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 they got together. They began to pray. They began to intercede. You look at every revival, right? Every revival, it was certain Christians that looked around and said, I am not satisfied with the status quo. Like the dry, you know, we're in a dry and weary land. You know what I'm saying? All this stuff is happening. And we're getting further and further away from our Lord. And they knew that. They understood that. And that's why, like, the Spirit of God would just move, a, you know, on a few ladies or a few men, they would gather together, they would seek the Lord, they would cry out, and they would pray. And lo and behold, boom, God would pour out his Holy Spirit, sort of like the rain, the former and the latter rain. Come on, Lord. So listen to what he says here. There was a certain city, there was in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God, nor regard just man. By the way, that's sort of the government you're dealing with right now, just so you know. This government does not fear God. And it really doesn't care what you have to say about it either. They made that clear by criminalizing Christianity. So no, that's the kind of obstacle you're up against. That's the kind of situation you're facing. Now there was a widow. This was not a statesman. This was not a general. This was not a person who had standing, nor reputation, Nor influence. This is the most vulnerable person on the planet going up against a judge that doesn't fear God and doesn't fear man. How many think the widow is going to win that battle? If you had a bet, who's going to win that battle? Where are you putting your money? On the tyrannical government or a vulnerable widow? Everybody say, but God. But God. God. Well, there was something in this widow, woman. Holy, holy, holy. Fire couldn't burn it away, and water was not going to drown it. So there's this widow, and she came to him saying, listen, get justice for me. From my adversary. You know your message to your government? Get justice. Not for me, but for the baby in the womb. Get justice. And I'm not stopping. And I'm gonna keep coming. And I'm gonna keep coming. And I'm gonna keep praying. And I'm gonna keep interceding. And I'm gonna do this until you, judge, do your duty. And brothers and sisters, you've got to have that tenacity. That comes from the Holy Spirit. God is the God of justice. His throne is built on the pillars of righteousness and justice. He wants you and I to be just in our dealings so critically important. So she keeps coming and coming and coming, and let's see what happens. And he would not for a while, but afterward, he said, nor within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continuing coming, she wear me out. See, you see that kind of intercession, what we're talking about here, brothers and sisters? This is not casual prayer, right? This this is a prayer that will not be denied, There's a great evil. There's a great injustice going on. Amen? And it's so wrong. And it's so going to hurt you and your nation and your future. And we got to have the tenacity like that little widow woman. Amen? She's basically saying, not under my watch. Not under my watch. No, sir. This will not stand. And I'm going to come and come and come until you get it through your thick skull. In Jesus' name, this ends. This ends. Amen. We know there's another parable where we talked about—the neighbor, right? The neighbor—he's sleeping. I wish I was that neighbor. Get some sleep. I'm telling you, it's—it's it's, it's been gone. Like I'm in the night watches, man. I'm just telling you, something's going on here. I just, I, I sit, there, I'm, I'm like, I'm more out. I'm just. <laughs> I wish I was the neighbor that was sleeping so you could wake me up. Because I'm not going to sleep. But in the middle of the night, here comes this neighbor. How many know that's not an opportune time to ask for something? All right, you're, you're lying in your bed, right? Your next door neighbor. I, I got this uh, guy coming through town. I need some bread. Who in their right mind, does that? Well, this guy did, and here's the thing: he wasn't going away <laughs> until he got it. Now, listen this this is this is prayer that Jesus is talking about. There's some things, brothers and sisters, that don't come easy. It's, it's yes, it's prayer. But then it's intercession, and sometimes it takes travail until we get the breakthrough. Amen? Excuse me just for a minute. So, a part of this intercession, brothers and sisters, is a desperation. Everybody say desperation. desperation. Have any of you ever been desperate for God to intervene in your life? Do you know I'm talking about that kind of desperation? It's like, all right, in my home, my, my wife, she is a mother. Like, full-blown mother. Mother. If my children have a whimper, a little boo boo, right? She's like, oh, oh, come here, little darling. Oh, here, here, take this. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, forget about it. But there is a cry. There's a cry when my children cry. Ooh, Papa's coming. And I'm coming with both feet. This is not a little whimper. No, this is a cry. It's a desperate cry. Okay? So critically important. We find that cry against brothers and sisters. And I'm going to show you at the end why that is so important here. All right, so you have, remember Rachel with Jacob? was she desperate? What was she desperate for? For children. She was desperate for children. She's like grabbing Jacob and shaking this guy. Give me children or else I die. I mean, it's desperation. Did Hannah have that desperation for children? She was so desperate for it the high priest thought she was drunk. She had to be flailing around. This must have been a pain in her hurt so hard in her mother's heart. God, give me children. It's a desperation. John Knox, the fiery Scottish reformer. What was his cry? He said, give me Scotland, or else what? Or else I die. Where? are the Irishmen, the Ulsters, who say, God, give us Ireland or else we die. Amen. you understand what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? We're talking about this kind of intercession. Remember George Whitfield? He's knocking himself out trying to be holy for God by the works of the flesh. He wears himself out. He just runs into his bedroom. He falls on his bed, and all he could say is, Go, oh God, I thirst! I thirst! I thirst!" And God says, "That's what I'm waiting for, son." Boom! And the Holy Spirit just falls upon him. That living waters start bubbling up, and he became one of the most powerful preachers in the history of the church. Jesus on the cross. What did he say? I thirst. I thirst. There was a desperation. I thirst. Now, was he thirsty because he's just parched, dying on the cross, or is there something else at work in him? What is he thirsty for? I truly believe it was to get to that place where he could say before the Father, it is finished. It is God, I thirst for this. I hunger for this. Amen? And so, brothers and sisters, what are we hungry for? What are we thirsty for? Because how many know so much of the stuff in this world does not satisfy? It just doesn't. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. We want the original. Amen? We're going to close with This passage of scripture, Psalm 106. Well, one thing good about this service is I'm losing weight for Jesus. Because you guys have helped me to put on a lot of pounds. This is the best fed I've ever been in my life. Have a wee little bit. Have another wee little bit. Yes. And this wee little man is getting much larger. If you were here this morning, we talked about will God be angry with us forever? Will he not revive us again? Amen. And then we went through specifically this national sin, this national abomination called child sacrifice and the shedding of innocent blood. And it talks about it angered the Lord. And what it looked like is basically you're going to get the government you have right now in Ireland. Those that hate you will rule over you. That's the consequence Now, watch this, though. And this is where we have hope, brothers and sisters. We really do. Because, listen, do you know even in the Old Testament, remember how many times Israel went a whoring after other gods? How many times they broke his heart? They broke covenant. They broke faith. How many times, right? And there was times, listen, there was times where God said, that's it. I'm done with you. Seriously. I'm not playing this game with you no more. You know what? You want help from, my, from now on, go to your idols. Yeah. You know what? You love them. They're your lovers. Go to them. See if they're going to help you in your distress. So he actually, there was times in the Bible, he literally went like this. I'm done. I washed my hands of you. Go your way. You know what would happen? see his people come under oppression he saw the devastation in his life in their life and you know what he did he intervened again he came to the aid of his people when he even said he wasn't going to do it he did it that's the kind of God that we love, serve and obey what a great Lord we have amen So, so, so look at this this is after they mingled with the Gentiles. This is after they paraded their sin like Sodom. This is after they butchered their children and shed innocent blood. like they're in a bad place. really bad. And then we turn to verse 44, of Psalm 106. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction. Listen when he heard their Cry. Their cry. Now, again, brothers and sisters, I know this can't be artificially produced. You know, I'm not talking about a religious spirit like some Pentecostals, you know, they, they fake the tears and all that kind of stuff, and, they, and, they, and, and their, their voice changes, influxes like, Lord, uh, uh, hey, uh. I don't know what that is. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, it's an honest goodness cry from your gut, from your bowels that you cry out to God. Lord, please don't leave us like this. Don't turn us over. Please, God, arise, God, spare your people. Spare our children, oh God. Spare our grandchildren. Lord, please grant us a future and a hope. That's the kind of cry, brothers and sisters. Okay. And again, I wish we could lay hands and impart that. But that's got to be something between you and the Lord. Amen. And so... Pray to the Lord of harvests, right? To raise up laborers. So that means if you're going to pray to be a laborer or pray for laborers, how many know in a way you're volunteering to be a laborer? All right. How many receive something here this evening? Amen. So brothers and sisters, as Pastor Ken told you, This is sort of a special evening in the sense that we're going to have a commissioning service here tonight. That's how we're going to conclude this service.